Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. My guest today is Cole Vivian, the head women's basketball coach at Marietta College. He has been on the staff at Marietta for four years and as assistant now, and four years as a head coach, leading a true resurgence in their program near the top of the OAC on a year-in, year-out basis. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Cole Vivian of Marietta College. Hi, welcome into this episode of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. Obviously, I'm the host, John Cook, and uh, my guest today is the head women's basketball coach at Marietta College in Marietta, Ohio, a member of the Ohio Athletic Conference. And Cole Vivian uh, has completed four years as the head coach in Marietta after four years as an assistant in the program as well, and an extensive background in women's college basketball. But I guess the biggest reason I'm excited about having Cole on is that I'm an Ohio Northern alum, and I'm an OAC guy, and it's it's not that hard to remember when Marietta basketball, both men's and women's, really struggled uh, to be relevant in the conference. And and during the eight years that Cole's been a, a part of the program at Marietta, there's been a legitimate resurgence in the program and and a tremendous amount of success. And I want to talk to Cole about his story and talk a little bit about his time at Marietta and, and, and what's happened there to get things turned in the right direction. And, and like I've said with so many guests, Cole, I just think if you've spent any time at all in coaching, I think you've got a journey and a story that's pretty interesting, and I like to let people tell that story. So first of all, welcome to the program. It's nice to meet you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Pretty excited about it. You know, we we talked uh, on and off trying to set this up and and, and get it going, and I've tried really hard on the podcast, gone out of my way, in fact, to try and have a, a really wide range of guests, whether it's high school coaches, college coaches from Division three to Division one, and men's and women's coaches, and uh, haven't had as many women's coaches on as I would hope to and, and plan to have more, but I'm always curious about men coaching in the women's game and, and kind of what put you on that path. So let's talk a little bit about your background growing up, where you went to high school, where you grew up, and then we'll get into some conversation about ultimately what maybe put, led you in the direction of coaching women's basketball. Well, uh, kind of, kind of starting out. So I'm originally from Wisconsin, so you can, see, you, you, you can probably tell I have, a, I have a bit of an accent um, with that. But real, real small town, a little over a thousand people, no stoplights. Uh, we, we were one of the smallest high schools in the state. Uh, but, but when, when I was playing basketball there, we were really good, and, and it wasn't really because of me, because it's because I had, I had some really good teammates. Um, we, we had, we had a really good high school coach, Doug Stanley. Um, he came in the, the coaching at, at Barwood High School where I went. I think it was about my eighth grade year. Uh, and he changed a lot of things about the program, uh, kept the players accountable. Um, with that, his first couple of years weren't great. But then when my class got to be sophomores, we, we they really started to, to kind of turn around. And we won maybe 19 games in our first conference title in like 20 years then. Uh, next year was really good. Our senior year, uh, we started off the year ranked. I think number two in the state, and we're number two in the state the entire year. Uh, the number one ranked team um, had a player on named Greg Stiefel. So he uh, was a real small school in Wisconsin, too. He had a play in Wisconsin, played for the Celtics for a few years in, in, in the uh, uh, pros. So uh, that's kind of how, 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 I, how I started off. And when you talked about having a coach come in and take over the program, you mentioned the word accountability that I thought was interesting there. Um, and, and you're thinking back a little ways, although you're a fairly young guy. I mean, you graduated high school in 2003. So, but thinking back a little ways, is there anything about your time under under your coach in high school that stands out with the accountability piece, the things he did from a practice or a game day standpoint that really 
uh, maybe emphasized accountability in a way that other coaches you played for hadn't? He, he had a lot of summer stuff. Uh, he expected us to be at, at, at a ton of summer stuff. And he, I mean, we, we were playing in a tournament, you know, almost, almost every weekend in, in, in the summertime. And he was there. So, like, that kind of showed us that, you know, he wasn't just, just there collecting a paycheck or trying to get his name in the papers. Like, he was actually invested in us. I mean, he was doing camps in, camps in the summertime. Um, with that, but he expected a lot out of us if, if we didn't kind of meet what his, he was, his expectations were. Uh, we had, had, had a talk, but. I mean, he was coming into a place that had some good talent, and we were, like, really hungry to get better. So when we saw how prepared he was with the, with, with the summer thing, you know, getting us in tournaments and camps and that kind of stuff, that, that was kind of out for us because we're like, hey, you know, there's somebody that wants to work with us. Uh, he believes that we can be pretty good, and, he, and he's going to put the, the uh, time in with that. So uh, once we saw that, I mean, we, we were we were all, all, all in. When you uh... – were playing in high school did you have an idea at that time that you wanted to go into coaching or was that something that developed on later for you no no it, it was definitely started in high school I mean I was never I was never our best player I mean by the time I was a senior um and I was probably the seventh or eighth man so I wasn't playing a whole lot I wasn't I wasn't starting uh, with that so I was able to kind of pick up on on a, a lot of things in practice and uh Talking, talking to do a coach a lot, kind of you know picking his brain about why we're doing things. Coach was he, he was great with me. I mean he he would take me. Um, he, he was big in into doing some 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 camps. Uh, it was called the WLSCC camps. Uh, Wisconsin uh, scouting services for coaches or you know so, something like that. Uh, but so I, I would go in the summertime and help him do some camps. So like even though I was only a sophomore junior in high school, I'm going to camps with him and I'm teaching. You know, eight players how to play basketball or freshmen how to play basketball. So like, that, that was pretty cool uh, that he trusted me. Uh, you know, to help him, help him at, at these uh, camps with that. So uh, that that was a that was a really big thing. And, you know, I think we've talked on this podcast a lot, Cole, about when the coaching bug bites you. You you, you kind of know. I mean, it, it it's something that's just it's either for you or it's not. There's very little middle ground with coaching. You either got to kind of be passionate about it or or leave it alone. And, and, and so it sounds like your passion started and developed really early when you, when you were in high school. Um, did you have any other opportunities uh, that you sought out for coaching once you got toward the end of high school? Were you looking to get into the camp scene? Did you have an idea that you wanted to go to college and, and try to be a part of a program? No, so as soon as I graduated, uh, Coach Stanley, he made me, I was coaching the, the varsity team at some summer stuff. So we, we played in a couple summer leagues. So I was actually, you know, I was only a year older. Uh, he trusted me to, to coach the, the, the uh, kids there uh, with that. So it was kind of different, you know, kind of coaching your, your, your friends and that kind of stuff. Uh, but that was, that was really fun for me. I kind of picked up some, some stuff off that. Um, and that, that was the whole, that was the most basic level of coaching it was pretty much just subbing and, you know, trying to give them some, some new ideas uh, with that. But after, after that uh, summer, I mean, I wasn't kind of sure what I would kind of go into coaching. I wanted to be uh, a high school journalist, or when I left high school, I wanted to be, be a journalist. Uh, so I read the papers. So that was kind of my connection to sports. Uh, but then after, after uh, I, uh, when I went to college, I thought journalism probably wasn't going to be for me, uh, so then I switched to psychology, uh, and then I started kind of thinking about coaching, even even kind of more more with that. So I started kind of seeing if I could maybe get down with, uh, get on on the uh, college team. Okay, and so you college was Wisconsin Stevens Point, is that correct? 
Yep, yep. So uh, then, uh, my, my first year out of high school, I went to, went to uh, Wisconsin Platteville, and that was a real local school, and that wasn't great. But I was dating a girl at the time, and her uh, aunt was the head coach at Stevens Point. Um, so, like during some some weekends, I would go uh, with her. We would go up to Stevens Point, watch the pointers play. Uh, I remember one game, I, I sat right behind the bench. Uh, just kind of watching Coach Agner coach, and like, man, this is this is awesome. I'm like, I mean, these, you know, the the, the team's locked in everything she's saying. She's calling plays, they're listening, they're competing like heck. Uh, they're really good. I mean, they were a top ten team in the country that that entire year. Uh, so then, as you know, things, you know, uh, I was talking talking to the Coach Agner after games and uh, having dinner with her. And so I wasn't real happy at at Slavs. I kind of wanted some more. And she's like, well, you know, I think a lot of you. I know you played basketball in high school. Um, our manager is graduating this year. If if, if you ever wanted, wanted to maybe, maybe look into that, I mean, we would love to have you as, as, a, as a manager. I'm like, well, that would be, be pretty cool. So that's kind of how my, you know, college coaching career kind of kind of got, got, got going. And that's a, a little bit of an interesting connection for us. I actually started out and spent four years as a student assistant with the men's program at Northern. But I start my first year at Northern. I, I I spent the whole year. Well, I can't say my first year. We actually had a father that did it. But my second and third year at Northern, uh, I spent about a season and a half videotaping every game and, and re- recording the games. And, you know, it was the practice time where I got to be around the, 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 the X's and O's part and the teaching part that was really good. But I, I've said this for years, Cole, and I'd like to get your take on it. You know, when, when people talk about a journey in coaching, very few people who aspire to be coaches think about some of the menial tasks and the unglamorous things that, that maybe you have to look at as opportunity. Now, for me, uh, being a part of a college program was enough. And if they asked me to videotape games, I was more than happy to do that uh, because I was getting an opportunity to be exposed to some, some things that, that were uh administrative and, and, and management types of activities in coaching uh, that I got to watch behind the scenes. But I think the worst thing I could have done, Cole, was to view myself as above that type of activity. Uh, what was your take in, in, in trying to get your foot in the door and how did you approach those kind of things? It was, it was the, the same way. So uh, Coach Ender wanted me to be as involved as, as I wanted to be. Uh, so when they had like like a team a team dinner, you know, how I, I was there. If they had any, any kind of workout, I, I, I could could, could uh, go to that. But I mean, I was I was filming games, I was uh, running the scoreboard at practice. Um, the really cool thing, I was a practice player too, too for them. So if they if they had had a big matchup matchup coming up, uh, I was that kind of you know they're they're you know the top player in the, the other teams. Well, I had to kind of kind of learn her moves and kind of what what she did, but. I mean, I mean that, that's something that you know that it doesn't get much lower than you know you know being behind the camera, uh, you know running the scoreboard or practice. I mean, no one's ever going to know any, anything about me. But I mean, I was convinced, and, and, and Coach Edgar, you know, made sure that I knew, and all the people on the team made sure that I knew that, like, you know, my, my job was important. You know, being being behind the camera. Uh, if I didn't get the, if, if I didn't turn that camera camera fast enough, Coach Edgar was was on me. So. Uh, because because I I missed something, so she was making sure that I was accountable to everything too. Because if I was there, I mean, I, my job was was important. So uh, I mean, that was that that was a great start for for me. And then the really cool thing is, you know, we were a pretty good team. I mean, we we won the conference thing my first year there. Uh, with that, I mean, we were always pretty successful with with uh, them for sure. So you you spent four years as as a student assistant with the program uh, at Stevens Point with the women. 
what did you have in mind at, at the at the end of your college career as a student when graduation rolled around? Did you have uh, opportunities to, to get into coaching right away? Did you pursue other opportunities outside of where you were? What did things look like when you got to the end of college? So I was wrapping up my my uh, undergrad, and I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I was, I was going to have my, my psychology ma- uh, major uh, with that. I, I minored in sociology. I was sure if I wanted to go to grad school uh, with that. So I talked to Coach Eggner about it, and they never had a graduate system there ever. Uh, but, you know, she she knew that, you know, I was I was doing a good job. She talked to some people there, and she actually got me a, a graduate assistant uh, spot there. So I was there for two more years, uh, got my uh, master's in education uh, with that. So, I mean, she, she helped me a ton because you know, a lot of times when, you, when, you, when you're looking at graduate college, you don't know what the heck that next step is. I mean, you, you don't know if you're going to, you know, go to, go to grad school or you're going to jump in the workforce. You don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, so she helped me out big time. Um, give, give me that that spot, and then as I returned into graduate assistant, my you know roles even you know expanded even more with doing film and uh, going on the road with them, recruiting, and uh, I got I got to sit in on, on meetings with them uh, with that. So I mean, she I mean she gave me so many opportunities to to, to be to become a coach. And that's a little bit more of a traditional route, I guess you would say, for college coaching is to go the graduate assistant route. And but you got to feel fortunate when you when you become a GA at a place that's never had one before. That's a, that certainly is is a, a door being opened for you. And again, continuing to be a part of a, a successful program. Um, when you got into the graduate level program and you're still a student, but you're but you're functioning as a coach and you're involved in all the day to day and behind the scenes things that coaches are involved in, were you set on the idea of staying with the women's game as a graduate student or did you still entertain the idea of, of whatever coaching opportunities might be out there no, I, th- I think at that point i was i was kind of more locked in on the women's game uh just just kind of kind of being with her i i, I think if you kind of look at it, i think it's usually a little bit tougher to go from women to men uh than it is from men to women so i mean i was i was i was kind of used to um how we we did things there, I, I felt I felt good about it. Um, yeah, so that, so that's kind of how it happened. I mean, if, if things would, would have been different, and um, you know, I was with with the men's team to start off. Maybe maybe I, I stick with men, but you know, after being with with the pointers there, and um, you know, you know, kind of kind of going through all, all the stuff there, I'm like I think this is going to be a, a, a really good spot. Cause you always hear stories about you know women care a lot more. I mean, women never want to let you down. Um, with them, so like they're gonna they're gonna be busting their their, their tails for you. Uh, they're more relationship driven with that, more open to coaching. Uh, now that's not to say that you know if you're coaching men, things are things you know the, the men don't do that, but it, it seems like like it's a lot more different with with women. Well, and, and I think that's an interesting point because I've heard the case made that that as a general rule, now there are always exceptions to it, but as a general rule. I think the consensus is that <clears throat> female basketball players in general tend to be a little bit more coachable. And in, in other words, I think more committed to doing what you want done. They, I, at least that was my experience. I was real blessed to be on Coach Duran's staff at Northern for three seasons and 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 work with those guys and and hadn't coached women prior to that. <clears throat> and and what I experienced was was kind of what you described. I think you're dealing with a, a little bit of a different piece in terms of the, the relational part. It is probably a little more important at the very beginning of a relationship with, with female players. But I also experienced coaching women that, that there was some truth to the notion that 
if you're laying out what you want done, they're going to they're going to do their level best to not just come close to what you want, but give you exactly what you want. And and the way you describe it, 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 it is kind of like that. So with with your experience now as, as a student in college and as a graduate uh, student, when did you start looking at or considering the possibility of trying to become a, a college head coach? <clears throat> Excuse me. Was that something that you wanted to try as early as possible or, or was staying at Stevens Point? Maybe in your best interest. Yeah. So, so after I got my my, my master's at Stevens Point, still not sure what, what I wanted to do, do exactly uh, with that. I knew we had we had a really good team coming back. Uh, I think we went to the Elite Eight the previous year, so I talked to Coach Edgar one more time, uh, and I stayed on as, as a volunteer assistant coach. And we we, we had, had had a great year there, made the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, again, we were one, one you know top top 10, 15 teams in the country. Uh, with that, but after that, that that last year, I decided I needed to kind of do something different um, with that. So then I moved back home to Barnville. Uh, I wanted to keep keep coaching, and now I start coaching uh, a freshman high school girls team. So one one of, of my people from from Barnville uh, got me hooked up with that job, uh, and that was different. I mean, we we were really good at Stevens Point, you know, all, all four years there, winning the conference title each time, making the NCAA tournament each time. And now I go to this, this freshman team that had a lot of talent on there, but they took the uh, top two uh, freshmen up the varsity. The next uh, seven or eight went up the JV. So then I have, you know, the, the next 10. So that was that was tough. But the really cool thing about that is I was running my, my, my own team. So I had to come up each day with a practice plan, what we we're going to work on. Uh, you know, I, I, had, I had some, you know, some, some smaller meetings with them. Uh all that and and, and the, the varsity coach there didn't really kind of talk to me a whole lot about what I, what I can run and what I can't run so that was really beneficial for me for for that one year uh but then after that I definitely wanted to get back into college uh coaching and and, and that's when I started kind of applying for jobs and uh, saw the job here as an assistant coach uh thought it was going to be a really good opportunity uh, came down on on the the uh the visit to meet coach Strider and, and and things went really well with that so let's talk a little bit about your, your decision when you, you spent one year as a volunteer assistant uh, at Stevens Point, and, and obviously that's a place that you were very comfortable with. But I, you mentioned the importance of getting to coach your own team, even though you kind of took what might be deemed as a step back to do it. You left the college ranks, you go back to the high school ranks and end up actually coaching freshman girls. Um, again, my mindset, Cole, is that everything is an opportunity and, and it's, it's what you do with it that really, really matters. And it would be easy for a, a, a bystander to watch that or somebody who's, who's on the outside looking in to say, well, why would you take such a big step backwards? But you mentioned that there was a lot of importance to, to running your own team with all of your experience basically being at Wisconsin Stevens Point, um, you know, from the time you were a student through your graduate time. Can you talk a little bit about what you experienced during that year that also helped you grow as a coach? Did, did you did you learn some things that were, quote unquote, different than the way you did them at Stevens Point? Did you add some things to what you believed believed in or philosophically did from a defensive or an offensive standpoint? What were some things that you gained during that one year running your own team? Yeah, just kind of kind of knowing that it was it was on me. Like like the really cool thing about, about Stevens Point is, is is Coach Eckner. She had me running drills in practice. She had me doing uh, breakdown stuff. She had me doing scout reports, all that stuff. But if I ever faltered, you know, she was there to kind of, kind of catch, catch me and, and, and kind of, kind of hop back in. Well, once you got your own team, like it's exciting and you want to do all, all just, you know, a, a million different things with them and, and kind of play a certain way. 
but you got to be really detailed. You got to be really prepared uh, for, for things because if, if you got something, something kind of dropped in your mind and you don't communicate that that well with them, especially that that age who who uh, you know it, quite, it might not quite be as basketball savvy as somebody a little bit older. Uh, you, then if, if things don't go well, you, you got to be, be be ready to kind of take ownership of that and, and either kind of change things. Or you know, or, or find a way to make things a lot better. So I think just kind of knowing, hey, it, it, it's it's on me now um, to kind of get us to, to where we we want to be with that. So just kind of just that ownership of, of, of the the entire the entire uh, situation. Can you can you talk a little bit about some of the coaches you competed against, and, and not necessarily by name, but were there any things that you felt like you gained just competing in a different arena against different kinds of coaches? Did you? For lack of a better term, again, beg, borrow, and steal things that you felt like were useful. Uh, not a whole lot that year uh, with that, uh, but you know, I, I'm a big NBA guy. I'm, I'm a big college guy, so I was kind of kind of watching things. Being from Wisconsin, you know, everybody everybody loves Bull Ryan, uh, so we, we kind of ran some of some of his his flex offense uh, there. We would do different stuff. Uh, Coach K, you know, you know, get up and pass in lanes, that kind of stuff. There, making make life life tough on them uh, with that. But those are those were were, were kind of the the uh, biggest things that that kind of kind of learned as a as I had that own team. Then if we got to kind of you know you know uh, dull some things down for them uh, to, to to be able to to to, to teach them. Like I, I try to run a lot of you know some of those plays that we ran at Stevens Point. Uh, they didn't quite work out quite as well because <laughs> our, our, our our talent level was just, was just a a little bit different than, 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 than it was there uh, with that, but and those are some of the people that uh, we I kind of really, really kind of looked up to. Want to kind of you know mold my, my my own team with. So when you, when you get through one year uh, on the bench running your own team, and you said you were ready to get back to the college ranks, um, I, I guess I'd be curious. I, I kind of find it fascinating. Did you? How did you go about the process of trying to get that done? Were there lots of different places that you looked into? Were there uh, was there a, a wide job search, or were you able to just kind of focus in on one and go after it? Yeah, it was it was a really wide wide uh, job search. I mean, I, I never heard of Marietta before before I, I applied for the job uh, here. I, I applied for a lot of jobs, uh, had a couple interviews. You know, some of them kind of went to, on campuses, and some of them were, were, were just phone interviews. Uh, but once I, you know, Coach Schreier, you know, gave me a call back and we talked on the phone and she, she wanted to bring me down on campus. I kind of did, went to, did, did a little more research on this place. Um, then, then I kind of thought, yeah, I think this is a place that we can kind of do. It was, it was a lot more different than Stevens Point. I mean, Stevens Point, uh, public school, you know, about 10,000 students. Um, but they always had, had a pretty good program. So Marietta was a lot different than that. I mean, we're here, uh, you know, private school about, 1,200 students. Everybody lives on campus. Uh, doesn't kind of have that, that that history of you know of prolonged success that we had at Stevens Point. Um, but once I got on campus, I, I thought I thought this was was definitely a really special place. You know, you mentioned something there, and in the five minutes or so, six minutes or so before we have to take a break, I want to kind of touch on that because a lot of our listeners may not know and understand that in Wisconsin there are a lot of Division three colleges that are state schools. And in Ohio, particularly in the Ohio Athletic Conference, Division three colleges are private schools. They're not state schools. And talk about the difference, if you would, in terms of what that means for recruiting, what that means for 
resources and the kind of things that are different between being at a state school that's Division Three versus a private school? Yeah, and then there's a ton of differences. Uh, on that Stephen's point, um, we weren't recruiting, you know, trying try to get people on campus. You know, you know, we, we were trying to get, you know, maybe, maybe 20 kids that we thought would, would be a good fit for the program. And, and to get those 20 kids on campus, we might have a list of, you know, 50 or 60 of kids that, that we thought would, would be a pretty good fit. Because up there, uh, the tuition was a lot was a lot less expensive uh, there than you know then than that than, than, than it was here when I first came down here so that was was, was a huge factor um, but that and Stevens Point is a really good ac- academic school too so I mean that, that wasn't a huge change but, 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 but between being here and at Stevens Point uh, but but the public and private thing is, is is a lot different I mean down here when we started out recruiting here I mean, we, we go to events and you know we see kids that we like and when we start our, start our calls and stuff in, in, in the spring I mean, we, we might have 200 kids there that we think might be a, a pretty good fit for our program talent wise so then we we, we got kind of find you know what, what kids we think would actually be the best fit for us at the top of them but that was a huge difference uh, from from Marietta to to a Stevens point with with that uh, just the, 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 the recruiting piece was a lot different I, I would imagine it's a fairly awkward position to be in when you go from being able to talk to a family about coming to your school and maybe paying twelve or fourteen grand a year uh, versus maybe yeah. pay, maybe paying forty. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big difference, uh, and then you you, you always got to kind of kind of sell what what you guys have, and 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 the good thing about about here is we 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 have some 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 really good good stuff, but yeah, that that the twenty five thousand dollar thirty thousand dollar dollar price range of difference is. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely tough at first. Well, Marietta's got a beautiful campus, and when you hired in there uh, to be the assistant, I, I guess what I would like to do, if you don't mind, I want to take our break now, and then after our break, I want to get into your, your four years in as assistant, the development of the program during that time, and then we'll jump into the, the, to when you took the program over in 2016. Sounds great. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, I wanted to take just a second and tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. If you're a regular listener and you enjoy the podcast, I'd like you to consider uh, being a partner to the show. We've lost our sponsorship with Anchor. They're still our platform, but the sponsorship agreement has ended after four months. And I would really like you to consider being a sponsor and a partner to the show. There's a place at uh, anchor.fm. where you can uh, donate to the podcast on a monthly basis, and it can be as small as a couple of dollars and as large as you would like it to be. Uh, and we would like to consider uh, some title sponsorship if we get some some donations that are, are, are larger in nature. But I, I really am just hopeful that, that a handful of listeners who enjoy what we do here would like to see this continue and allow us the opportunity to, to gain from it and pay off some things too on our end here at the podcast. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy what we do and you have any interest at all in, in being a sponsor and, and making a monthly donation to the podcast, please visit anchor.fm and uh, check out the option of, of making a monthly donation to the podcast. Greatly appreciate your consideration. And as always, whether you're a donor or not, uh, we hope you continue to listen and find enjoyment in Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook. Okay, Cole. So you, you make the move to Marietta. You're a you're a Wisconsin guy, born, raised, and basically entire professional life in Wisconsin. Uh, you, you move to Marietta, Ohio, and again, I, I'm saying Marietta is a gorgeous campus tucked into a beautiful location. But let's be honest, Marietta is not close to anything. 
<laughs> and so you get from Wisconsin to Marietta and you're going to go to work. Uh, Stacy Schreider was your boss uh, at Marietta for, for four years. So it'll be the second time that you've worked uh, under a female head coach. Talk a little bit, if you would, about assimilating yourself into that program and what, what maybe were some of the differences between your work for Coach Edgar at, at Stevens Point and when you came to Marietta? Did, were there differences in your role and, and maybe what some of those were? Yeah, when, when, so when I was at Stevens Point, Coach Edgar, I mean, she was established. I mean, she won a national title uh, in 2002, um, and she was well on her way to being the all-time winning uh, women's coach in uh, conference history there. Uh, so she built a really good program. Uh, now, coming to work down here for, for Coach Schreider, uh, Coach Schreider had a lot of great qualities. I mean, she was driven. Uh, she knew what she knew what, what she wanted. She was uh, she was a winner in high school. She was a winner in college. Uh, so she kind of had that, but she just didn't kind of have that kind of background that Coach Edgar had yet uh, with that. But me and her, I mean, we worked really well. I mean, she was more kind of defensive minded. I was more offensive minded. Uh, she worked more with players. She was post player in college. I, I was comfortable working with guards. Um, with that. So, I mean, we, we balanced each other really, really well with that. Well, I think that's a great point that you make. I think oftentimes that's, that can be overlooked, uh, having balance in a staff and particularly at division three, because essentially for the most part, division three programs, you're talking about a two person, maybe a three person staff. If you get real lucky, you might have three people plus a volunteer, uh, to, to add to the staff, but having that balance, I think is oftentimes, uh, overlooked, and, and you mentioned that you were working under a defensive-minded head coach when you're when you were maybe a little bit more of an offensive-minded person. Um, describe, if you would, that how that relationship evolved, and when you felt like maybe she was really, really comfortable giving you uh, more of a voice at the at the offensive end of the floor, and what that felt like during your first couple of years. Hey, I mean, she she was ready ready like right away. I remember when I came down to interview, we were talking in, in the library about it, and, and, she, and she's and kind of talk about what, what to run, and I kind of do some stuff before that that I had success with. She's like, yeah, I think I think I think that would be great for our, our personnel. Uh, so she gave me a lot of leeway right for, right from from the start. I mean, what with the, the, the really cool thing about her is with, with the program, it wasn't just her program. I mean, she needed a lot of help from a lot of different people. So if I had a good suggestion, I mean, she, she was all ears. And, uh, you know, if, if, as a head coach, if, if, if she had something that, uh, she was kind of thinking and I'm like, well, coach, I don't know if, if, if that's a good idea. She kind of gave me the leeway to be able to, to kind of talk to her about that. Um, and we were, we were re- really good friends too. So, I mean, that, that made things a lot easier. Like I was, I was kind of going into it think, okay, there's, there's coach Ryder. Uh, you know, she, she's, the boss, she's in charge of, of everything. I knew who was it. I knew I, I knew that that she was running the show. But if I had had some suggestions, she she gave me a, a lot of rope to be, to be able to kind of, kind of do some do some uh, different things and, and a, a lot of input. So um, she was comfortable with, with that right from from the the, the get go, which which kind of helped me grow, grow even more. And that that had to be important to your development. And and I, I would assume that it, as you have the ability to uh, kind of expand and live into a role as a coach with quite a voice and a lot of responsibility and, and input into the program. Was there ever a time in that first two to three years that you were at Marietta that maybe you considered trying to go after head coaching positions elsewhere? No, uh, I mean, we, we weren't as successful as we probably wanted to be right from the get go. 
Um, and in terms of what wins and losses, I mean, we were doing a, a lot, a lot of different things kind of behind the scenes, which we were kind of building the, the uh, program up. We, were, we weren't kind of winning the game, as many games as, as we, we wanted to, uh, early in it. Um, uh, so I was kind of thinking about, about leaving or any, anything, anything like that. I mean, I was, I was really happy. I mean, Coach Strider treated, treated me well. I mean, we, we, um, you know, we hung out, you know, outside of, 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 of the office. So, uh, I mean, she was, she was great to, to uh, me. So, I mean, I was, I was really happy here as, as an assistant. I, I knew the kind of people that we had in these recruiting classes. I knew even though the, the wins weren't coming yet, I knew we were getting better. Uh, we were getting better for sure. Well, and, and so you're, you're a part of a program that's trying to build. You're working with a head coach and, and have a relationship that, as you said, you, you, you kind of can see the beginnings of a turnaround based on what you're recruiting. Um, as the program develops, when you remember those, particularly maybe say years two, three, and four, uh, when you were an assistant, outside of recruiting, is there anything else that stands out to you that was the indicators that the program was definitely headed in the right direction? No, I mean, I mean, we we had one or two big wins a year. Uh, it, it seemed like that that, that kind of gave us hope that 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 we were there. Uh, and, and off the court, I mean, the players were doing everything that, that we were asking. I mean, they were doing a great job in the classroom, uh, in the community. They were doing a great job like that. So we didn't have to kind of kind of worry worry about about that at all uh, with that. But we would have one or two big 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 wins a year, uh, which we could say, hey. You know, we're, we're, we're doing the right thing. We're, we're, we're knocking off one or two, one or two good teams. Uh, but then, the, you know, the, the recruiting. I mean, once, once we got that class of, of, of 2014, uh, that's when things started to kind of really, really, really turn around for us. Well, it, it, it generally comes down to players, Coach. I think that's what most people <laughs> would say is it's generally going to come down to players. But when you when you consider where the program was when you got there and where it, where it got to in, in maybe year three or year four, um, you and I were talking, you know, between segments when, when we weren't recording, your opportunity to become a head coach came about in a pretty unique fashion. Yeah. So, so coach Schreier, uh, after her fourth year, uh, she, uh, sort of started to, to, to kind of think about her future a little bit. She was in a relationship with, with, with a great guy. Uh, he, he ended up moving away, uh, to take another job. And, you know, you, you, you could tell that that was, uh, something that, uh, she was kind of, kind of thinking about the future and thinking about family and that. So um, she resigned from her post in 2016, or, yeah, yeah, 2016 uh, with that the, the move with them, which was tough. I mean, the team loved Coach Schroeder. I mean, she she would do anything that she could could to, to make sure that they were they were uh, happy and successful. Um, it was it, it was tough. I mean, I remember when when, when she told me, I kind of I kind of had an idea that it, it might it might be kind of going that way. Uh, but that was still, you know, you know, really tough because we spent a lot of time together. I mean, we were on the road recruiting together, we were in the office a ton. Uh, so that definitely, you know, losing one of my really, really close friends. But at the same time, you're still really happy for her because that's what 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 she wants to do. Uh, but then once, you know, once she decided that that's the the, the way that, that that she wanted to go, had to kind of think about the future professionally too, and you know, where I kind of wanted to kind of go with. With, with, with things with that, and 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 once that coach job opened up, I thought something that, that I definitely wanted to to uh, go after. So I, I got a couple questions when it comes to that because I, I know you're happy where you are, and you you've, you've been very blessed, obviously, Cole, as an assistant to work for two really good head coaches who 
who helped your development and, and who gave you a voice uh, and gave you a chance to grow. When, when that job opens up and you know you're going to be uh, interested in it, you're, you're an in-house guy and you're going to be pursuing that job. Uh, the one thing that you know for certain, though, Cole, in, in almost every circumstance is when a Division three college coaching head job opens up, it's, it's a pretty sought-after position. I am blown away almost every year at the number of people that get involved in, in head coaching uh, opportunities and, and try to pursue them. When you were in that position as the, the I guess, the, the sitting assistant, but pursuing the head coaching uh, position, was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, I might have to be prepared to work for a new boss? Or, or were you just, did you have a pretty good idea from the beginning that the, that the head coaching job might be yours? No, I definitely did not think it was going to be mine. So, uh, so it seems like in a lot of services, they usually kind of bring in like maybe three people, maybe four people. I think for ours, because I was in the office every day, so I actually had, had to leave the office when, when they're bringing in the, the uh, head coach of candidates for, I think we had five people other than me. So I don't know that I was not very high on the list uh, to, to, to start off. I mean, we had, I think four, we had some other uh, women's head coaches already uh, from, from either NI, NI IA or Division Three. We had some assistant coaches from the conference uh, for it. Uh, we had uh, one of the best players in conference history apply uh, for two. So I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, so so I knew that I had my work cut out for me. So I knew I had to come up with with a really good plan. Uh, there's some there's some things going going well in my favor. I mean, we, we were coming off of a pretty good year. I mean, we were only one game below 500 uh, for us at the time. That was that was really really good. Um, so I, I had that going, but, but I knew that I had to kind of do something to kind of, you know, knock the committee socks off and, 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 and kind of make some changes to, to how we do things here. So we could be, you know, turned into to that, that program that, you know, is, is a winner. So what, what was your approach in, in, with the committee then? What did you try to sell the committee on about what would be different when you moved from the assistance job to the head coaching position? Well, I, I, I kind of want to tell them, like, hey, we're, we're on the, the the right track here. I mean, I, I was a major force in, in recruiting a, a lot of these players, a major force in developing a, uh, a lot of these players. Uh, and then I had to have, have a really good plan about what we were going to do, uh, where I kind of saw the team offensively, where I kind of saw the team defensively, uh, talk about recruiting uh, with that, too. Um, the, the idea of the kind of staff that, that, I, that I wanted to uh, so I mean, it was it was everything. I mean, how we were, how we were going to work, you know, in, in the preseason before we started playing games. I mean, I, I had to be pretty detailed to kind of get on their their radar because if, if you kind of look about who, who they they brought in, obviously my time at Stevens Point, you know, helped a lot, and and, and Coach Edner, you know, making some phone calls helped helped a bunch too uh, with that, and then you know, having some alumni here that that kind of had, had my back on on a few things helped a lot too. But just being really detailed, really, really prepared uh, with it. I mean, those were, were the big things. And I was at a little bit of an advantage because I was already, you know, at the school. I knew academically. I, I knew how things went. I, you know, at admissions, I know I knew how, how things went. went. Uh, but just kind of telling, you know, the the search committee, like, hey, it's something that I'm really passionate about. You can, you can kind of see in the details. If if, if I get this job, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hit hit the ground running. Well, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the detailed approach. Again, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast may or may not know what the interview process for a, for a head coaching position is like, but it, it's an all-day endeavor, generally speaking, uh, to get through an, an on-campus interview. And 
I mean, five, six hours uh, in a day is, is not uncommon. And so you're going to be doing that with people that you know, and you've got to you've got to present to them some things maybe they don't know or things they didn't anticipate. And I, I, I guess I was curious to hear what, what your approach was, because when you go to interview for a head coaching job and you haven't done that before, there are there are some things about it that you're going to want some insight on. And it sounds like you got some insight from some people that were really supportive of you. Um, and, and obviously it was uh, effective and successful. You got you awarded the job in April of 2016. So the 16-17 season was going to be your first as a head coach. So you've talked a little bit about what the program had gone through and, and the strides that you were making to get better, particularly in recruiting. Uh, talk just briefly, if you would, for me about the, the state of the program uh, when you took it over and what did you view as maybe the priorities uh, or the things that you wanted to get either changed, rebranded, or established with you as the head coach? Yeah, so when, when I got the head coaching job, I thought it was a really good job. Uh, we didn't have, we only had one senior co- coming, or it was going to be a senior in, in the fall um, that year, but I had a lot of confidence in her. She didn't have a great junior year, but I knew if, if I showed confidence in her, I, I thought she would, would do some good stuff for us. Uh, we had that really good junior class. Uh, with Amisha and Brooke and uh, Jenna, uh, you know, Mara, uh, Barker. So we, we had a really good junior class there. Uh, so I knew they, they could be a major thing. We, we had a couple sophomores coming up that I thought were really talented. And then we got uh, Coach Ryder actually resigned. Uh, she had her, her kind of last gift the program is where there was a local kid here uh, that was dynamite for us. She was, a, you know, a four-year player for us. She, she finished, you know, games all four years. Uh, but when she was committed here, uh, then I knew things were, were going to be really good. So I felt really good with the program. Um, with that, I knew we could, we, we could do, do, do some big things. But the biggest thing that we had to, that we, we had to kind of do is just have the team believe that they could win. Because we, we weren't, you know, a, a winning program, uh, you know, through the last, you know, 20 years before that. I think that the year before that, my last year as assistant, Coach Harris, uh, last year, I think we were 12 and 13. And that was the best record we had since like 94, 95, and, and here they were 13 and 12. So just kind of getting them to believe, hey, you guys can can win games. Because I think we were 6 and 12 in the league that previous year, but we were 0 and, I think 0 and 5 or 0 and 6 in games decided by six points or less, so, so two possessions. So we were right there. Uh, but I said to kind of get them to believe, hey, if we kind of tighten up some things here, uh, I think we can, we can be really good. And like, you always kind of think it's just kind of, Tying up basketball things like, you know, get that box out, maybe have a little bit more space in your offense. But, like, if you're going to take take that jump, you know, from, you know, a five or six game prove it in the conference, it's got to be everything. Like, it, like, like it's got to be how you study. It's got to be how you connect with your teammates. Um, it's got to be doing the right things on, on the weekends. Like, we didn't have, have a problem with those things in the past, but you can always get a little bit better. And once we kind of committed to doing everything a lot better, um, both, both, they started to believe that, you know, they, they deserve to, to win those, those tight games and we, we, we ended up start, starting to, to win them. Well, and I love what you said about tightening up everything. I, I think, again, the program is an all-inclusive term. It's not about your X's and O's. It's not about everything on the floor, although that's certainly a part of it. A program is an all-inclusive term and how you approach academics and how you approach relationships and how you approach uh, team building, all of those things, I think, are are certainly important. And then the last thing you said that I thought was interesting was it's tightening up some of those things and conducting your program 
at a level that that deserves winning. Uh, again, I think that gets lost in, in this day and age, particularly. I think we're an instant gratification society. And sometimes people just believe, well, I, if I spend three or four years here, we're going to get better or I'm going to get good or I'm going to get minutes. And that's not necessarily the answer. And wins don't just happen because you you kind of wait for them long enough that they happen. You kind you do have to earn it. You do have to deserve it a little bit. And, and I love what you said about the the impact of the things that aren't necessarily on the floor. What I'd like to talk about in, in the time we have left, it goes back to a little bit of what you said earlier in the podcast, that when you came to Marietta, you came in and worked for a defensive-minded coach when you were a little bit more of an offensive-minded guy. Can you talk a little bit about your evolution, uh, maybe from 2010, 11, 12 through now, uh, in terms of your your approach as a coach, the, the the way you go about things? Do you still view yourself primarily as an offensive guy? And if, if so, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I mean, if, if I had to kind of lean one way or the other, I'd say I'm definitely more uh, offensive-minded, uh, just just for the kind of different plays that we run, that we want to run, and stuff that we want to get out of our, our offense. Uh, I watch a lot of professional basketball, which which I think kind of helps with, helps with that. You see some different kind of things that they they do on uh, on the court. Uh, but now, I mean, I have I have, a, I have a really good associate head coach here, Coach Miller. Uh, who who is really good on defense? So she is she is she's teaching me some things on on uh, defense for for sure uh, there. So she's kind of bringing me back, you know, more kind of centered with that. Uh, so uh, you know, when we we have a practice plan, it's not all offense. There, there's 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 a good amount amount of uh, defensive stuff on there too uh, with that. But yeah, I mean, you you always want want to be getting better. Each year, and just because you have some success, you know, doing something one year doesn't mean you know you should be kind of running the exact same stuff the, the next year. So we, so we we try to evolve a lot with 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 offensive stuff. Like we ask the players to you know be in the gym a lot, working on on their offensive game, working on their defensive quickness, and really type stuff. So as a coaching staff, like we always kind of kind of kind of say, hey, we, we got to improve things uh, with with ourselves too. So that's you know. Watch, watching games, kind of seeing how we we kind of play to play a different way there, or you know, maybe add a new wrinkle to our, our defense, or uh, you know maybe you know transition game, something different there. Um, we we do we do do that stuff 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 a lot. So talk a little bit then about how in, in the college women's game with the thirty second clock and and who knows if it'll stay at thirty or go down, but with the thirty second clock and. Uh, the way the game is approached. When you approach offensive basketball, just kind of talk us through what you think a, a, a good possession looks like. What do you want to see from your team from when, the time they take possession of the basketball till they uh, till they execute to, to find the shot they're looking for? Are you a guy that wants to shoot it quick? Do you want to keep the floor spread? Do you run secondary stuff? Are you are what what's your approach from from I guess just from A to Z in an offensive possession? Yeah, so we, we want to get out quick. Um, and, and with us, we, we don't really have any, any post players that we think uh, can't run the floor really well. Uh, a lot of our post players, they get up and down the court pretty quick. And if you have, if you, have you know, you know, fast post players, it makes your break a heck of a lot better. So uh, we want to get get up the court quick. I mean, if, if we, we have a good shot, we, we definitely want that. Um, even if somebody who's not, uh, maybe a great series, maybe somebody he's not shooting 30, you know, five percent from three or anything like that. If we have something in, in transition, it's a pretty good look. We want our players to, to be confident. And plus, when you're in transition and, and if you have numbers, there that helps the offensive rebounding too. So we, we want them, them playing pretty fast. 
Um, if we don't have have a, a, a very good look, I mean, there's a couple different things that, that we're looking for. I mean, looking for spacing, uh, looking for ball reversals, looking on playing uh, inside out. So we use our, our post players a lot here. Uh, last couple of years, our, our post players have been up. Now, that will kind of change each year. You know, a few years ago, our top thing, two scores were, were a guard. So that was kind of changed. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to play fast, we're trying to play space. Uh, and we're trying to play through, through the post. Now, we don't always need our post players to be taking the shot, but we can get them a post touch and kind of run some, some of, of, our, of our post offense. Um, then we can usually get to get a pretty good, pretty good look, look out for that. But, um, yeah, we, we, we want them playing loose. We, we want them playing confident for sure. Well, and it's interesting you talk about playing inside out because I think there are um, – that means different things to different people, I guess, in, in this day and age. But post touches – um, we're a big part of our program, obviously, when I assisted at Northern, and you'll, you'll know that that's not surprising to you. Um, and, and I thought there were a lot of similarities uh, offensively in how your program played and, and how our program played um, in terms of, I don't, I don't know, not necessarily X's and O's every set play, but in terms of approach, I thought attacking in transition, trying to get a piece of the paint with a post-touch if possible. Um, when, when you look back over your your time at, at Marietta, do you do you feel like your transition has changed much? Are you still trying to get a rim runner and somebody at the basket? The reason I ask that is you say you, you, you watch a lot of professional basketball, and I see the, the men and the women professionally. It feels like bigs are running to about the free throw line now, and they're starting to get into ball screen action really, really early. Uh, very seldom do you see somebody actually run to the front of the rim and, and, and try to take up space on the block at the professional level. But I think you guys had, had kind of played that way. Is that something you see yourself sticking with? Yeah, something we've done the last couple of years. I think we, we might kind of tweak that a, a little bit this year, kind of run some some different stuff. Uh, with that, we, we, we watch uh, uh, Coach Vanderbilt's program a lot. He does some, some kind of different things in transition, kind of depending um, where the ball goes. Um, and, 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 and we kind of run that stuff off, off made bricks too, depending, depending where the ball goes, we'll do something a little bit different with that. Um, so we're going to kind of change that a, a, a little bit to kind of, um, basically not send the, the post player all the way down to the rim, maybe, maybe keep them a little bit higher, um, on, on some, some things there. Uh, but, but off, off those, those missed bricks, I mean, we definitely want to, want to get out in a hall. Um, you, you know, you know, kind of get them down, down the block. Hopefully, collapse the defense a, uh, a little bit with that. Kind of open up some, some stuff from, um, from the, uh, from the uh, arc on uh, that for sure. When you, when you look back now, uh, what, with what you're doing with your team compared to maybe when you first took over the program four years ago, and I'm going to talk practice for just a minute or two here. Um, has your practice changed? Do you guys? Spend more time in breakdown drills. Do you play more five on five? Has your practice itself and the way a practice looks evolved during your time there? Yeah, it's changed a little bit, um, and that's just because our roster has gotten a little bit bigger. Um, so I, when I took over here, my first year as head coach, I think we had, gosh, maybe fifteen or fourteen on the roster. So that wasn't wasn't great for us to to you know, you know at least kind of have the depth that, that we really want. Uh, then after that, we, we, we've been at, at, you know, a little over 20 ever since. And, and now we're able to do a lot of different stuff at practice, you know, having, you know, four teams of five. So now we're able to get a, a lot of reps. We're able, able to be pretty intense with it. Uh, but one thing that's, one thing that's definitely stayed the same is our skill work. We do a lot of skill work at practice. Um, after Coach Miller gets them, gets them warm, 
perform and lose. Uh, we do, uh, you know, you know skill work stations every day to start. So we're working on passing, we're working on ball handling, working on shooting, we're working on, on movement uh, with that. So that that stays the same. But you know, having a, a little bigger of a team kind of lets you lets you do some some different things and they, they're able to, they're, they're, let's you get some more reps. Uh, with that, and Coach Miller is 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 awesome. I, I mean, I, I got total trust in her. It's just like Coach Strider had, had had trust in me. So I might be working working on one end with, you know, ten or twelve people, and she's got the the, the other half of the team down there. Uh, we're we're really fortunate. We we have Coach Anderson here who 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 played here, graduated here in twenty eighteen. She's back on staff, uh, so she's able to help our players a lot. And it's really nice to have a, a person who is. You know, has played the post because it seems like the post is always, you know, the the hardest thing to kind of teach high school kids when when they come to college. Because a lot of times in high school, you know, if if you're you know a, a big, long, strong kid, um, now you want to kind of drift to the perimeter and you know shoot shoot threes. There, so Coach Anderson is is really really good helping helping our our, our post players uh, with that. But yeah, we've had some changes. Over over the years, uh, but just having having that a little bit bigger of a roster size, which has changed since since I've been head coach, has allowed us to do a lot more stuff with competing and practicing and going a, a lot harder. You mentioned your assistant uh, uh, several different times, and so maybe the last question I'll ask here for the podcast is: you you were a a male coach and females. You worked for two female head coaches. When you got the job, and over the time that you've had to to kind of put together and maintain a coaching staff. Did you feel like it was important to have a female presence on the staff? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, even back when, when I was assistant coach, it seems like the, the players are always more comfortable going to the assistant coach than the head coach. Um, and, and if you ever want to talk about what your environment is, is like on the team, like as a head coach, you kind of set it. But if you want to have that environment that, that you talk about a lot, and you gotta act out. You need a really good staff. Uh, so to have a couple, have, have people like Coach Miller, uh, who's awesome, and she helps. She helps our team in, 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 in so many different ways. I mean, everything she does is kind of basketball wise. She she's a she's a rock star at that. With you know recruiting and conditioning and uh, skill development, uh, and she's really good at that. She she helps them you know off the court with with with, with a lot of issues. And then for us to have another person that's in the office every day, Coach Anderson, uh, she does a, a lot more, you know, stuff even different than Coach Miller does. I mean, she's great with our social media pages. She's uh, our academic person here because she's, you know, she's a, she's a graduate from here, so she knows what the teachers are like. Um, she knows what, what, what the class are like, so she helps our players a lot uh, academic-wise. But having those two on staff, I mean, our players are, are – are comfortable, to, you know, coming and, and talking to me uh, with a lot of different things, uh, but 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 they're really comfortable going to those two with everything, um, with that, you know, relationship wise or, or socially wise, uh, with that. So I mean, if if, if you want to have a good environment with with, with your program, your uh, you know assistant coaches are, could not be more more important with that. Well, you know, that's a Again, I think uh, maybe not well as well understood as it should be. And I've experienced good and bad and been been a part of good and bad in both areas in terms of uh, what happens within a staff and how a staff work together and how staff uh, relate to the teams. And I think you made a, a really good point that particularly your assistant coaches 
that they're going to be your first point of contact with players over the course of a long season that is draining and, and difficult. And, and the head coach's voice oftentimes, again, my opinion, but I think the head coach's voice uh, is so strong that at times it's really important for the players to have another place to go, have another uh, set of ears, another shoulder to, to, to lean on, so to speak, and, and, and somebody else to listen. I think there's a ton of value in what, what you said there. And, and you've got quite a, a situation now. Obviously, everybody does dealing with, with COVID-19 and what's happened with the, the seasons. The Ohio Athletic Conference had made the announcement that uh, sports will be pushed back to January 1. And you and I were talking before we started recording the podcast. Can you can you give a general feeling of what maybe the road looks like for you between here we are in early September and, and maybe that January 1 date? What are you hoping for and what do you think looks like is, is likely, at least as far as you understand it now, for what your season might look like in terms of breaking down preseason into the season and, 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 and at least getting to play those conference games? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's changed for us, you know, quite a bit because, uh, you, you know, usually, usually we come back on the, on the campus and, uh, you know, the, the, the team is doing what they were, the guy doing the weight room and, and that kind of stuff. We had to kind of change that a little bit this year because there's the – the uh, gating phase that, that the OACC kind of kind of put in. So first couple of weeks, I mean, the players weren't doing anything uh, with that. So that's changed a little bit. But we're hoping we're hoping to start practice in, in October here. At some point, we can start start on October first. So uh, we'll kind of change how we do things a little bit there because usually we have that kind of carrot carrot there for us. You know, November fifteenth or so for our first game. Well, now we're not gonna have that until um, January. So. We uh, we had told the team, hey, we got to be masters of transitions this year. You, you guys are all going through transitions from you know high school to college or you know different roles on the team. So now this has to be one transition for us that we got we got to be uh, ready for. So don't get too hung up on well, coach. Usually at this time of year we're doing this, or coach. Usually at this time of year we're doing this. Like we got to be able to kind of master uh, each time, but. If it's ideal, I mean, we're playing our, you know, hopefully our 18 conference games. We're getting our conference tournament, and then hopefully we're, we're going into the um, NCAA tournament. So we're keeping our fingers crossed on that. It looks like the numbers are, are getting a little bit better. Hopefully they can kind of keep improving. So uh, we can we can kind of do some do some uh, big things on, on the court this year because we're, we're we're definitely really excited about, about our team this year. Well, I'll tell you what, I wish you the best of luck. I mean, nobody wants to have a season any more than I do, obviously. And and, and to get with your team, I think, is really important. And to get some sort of normal uh, back into the college campus and the college life, I think athletics is going to be a big part of that. And obviously, I'm a basketball guy, so I think it's, it's really, really important once we get into the winter to try to find a way to get through that. If, if that happens, I look forward to hopefully maybe getting a chance to catch up with you when you make it to eight. I'd like to meet you face-to-face and, and get a chance to talk. I'll pop over if you guys make it over to play the Polar Bears. I, I don't feel bad too bad in saying this, although it says a little bit about me. It's now 2020, and I'm just about over that, that conference tournament championship loss in 2018 that you guys handed us on our floor in Ada. So uh, I, I've just about gotten past that, and I'm feeling a little better about things. So um, but I, I do look. I do. That was the only time that we've ever went up to Ada and it played halfway decent. Uh, I don't know what the heck got into that. I mean, we had really good, good leadership. But uh, I mean, they, we we talk about that a lot. I mean, we have a couple of seniors on our team. We have four seniors this year. Um, and that's that's their their highlight of their whole career. We had a couple of recruits recruits there that that day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was that was that was definitely definitely a 
really special moment for us. I mean, two really good teams are going at it for sure. Yeah, it, you know, it's unfortunate, Cole. And I, I've said this before. Obviously, you guys win the conference tournament. You get to go to the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I, I was talking to somebody after that happened, and I said, the unfortunate thing is we don't get to go to the tournament. And it's like, okay, so if, if we play Marietta three times in a season – and I've got to pick which one of the games I didn't want to win, <laughs> you know, so that I so that I could win that one to get to the tournament. I mean, you know, the regular season championship came down to a game at your place that was an absolute war. Um, and, and then a week later or seven or eight or nine days, whatever it was later, we've got to play in the con- it, that's the difficulty of getting into the Division three tournament, because here's what I know. You guys were really good and we were pretty friggin good, too. And it's just unfortunate, un- unfortunate that, that you couldn't get both teams in. But I will say this, your your team's leadership on that day, your senior class uh, stood up large on, on that day. And, and, and we had to tip our hats to you. I was it was uh, not a game that anybody wanted to lose. And obviously there was uh, a lot of different ways the game could have gone. But, you know, I, I didn't get to, to know you at all during that stretch of time. But I, I can tell you that 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 2018 team you had was certainly a team that uh, you should be extremely proud of. And, and, and there's no real, real big home court advantage playing at Northern because the gym is so cavernous and oftentimes the crowds aren't very large. But when you go on the road and win a conference tournament title, there's, there, there's, you don't ever have to apologize for that and you deserve a ton of credit. So like I said, it took, it took me a little over two years to get past it, but I finally, I finally have. And so I'll congratulate you. And uh, like I said, hopefully in, in maybe January or, or, or February, you guys get a chance to make an update and I'll pop in and say hi. We'll get to meet face to face. Absolutely, man. That, that sounds great. All right. Well, listen, I, 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 I just want to wish you luck. I, I don't I'm a guy who on the podcast oftentimes says send me a T-shirt. But if you sent me a Marietta College basketball T-shirt and I showed up over there and ate aware and I might get disowned by a lot of people that matter to me. So you, yeah, I, can, I can understand that, you, that for sure. You, you can hang on to the T-shirt, and maybe tuck it on your bus in February. If you come our way, and we'll do a little clandestine exchange. That, that, sounds good. that sounds good to me. All right. Listen, man, take care of yourself and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.